you're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 102 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you. As always, your host, Bob Chichinsky, my good, good friend, Dogbark24, co-host of this amazing show. Dogged, how are you doing this week? I'm uh, doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Excited to be here. Uh, Very excited. I feel like it's been a while because, you know, like we just didn't get to hang out as much in October. That was a busy month for both of us. And all of a sudden, there's ELC. <laughs> so here we are to do our uh, quarterly annual, is that a thing? Uh, patch notes episode. Uh, very excited. Fire song, like, right? I mean, it's not out on console yet, but PC drop. Pretty exciting. Yeah, it uh, definitely came up, like, out of nowhere, so... Yeah, that's a like when you hit me up, you're like, yeah, patch notes. I was like, oh, let's go <laughs> out of nowhere. So, we're going to get right into our patch notes episode. This this time, you know, it's uh, for the first time, I feel like in a long time, it's a moderate amount of patch notes, kind of like, you know, it was when we started this podcast. So, I'm excited for this episode. I think it's going to be really good. We got some interesting stuff going on, not too crazy stuff, and we have this new uh, interesting DLC stuff coming out, so brand new stuff, always exciting. Of course, we do have our news and uh, some PvP patch notes uh, stuff too going on, and just PvP in general, so we've got it all for you, and we're going to start it off with the news, so Dogged, why don't you let them all know what's going on right now? Alright, well first off, you know, we have the DLC release of Fire Song. Um, already with I think like three hotfixes or so, and then an incremental patch get uh scheduled for the 14th. So it's definitely been a rough release for for, for a PC. Yeah, it it definitely has been rough. And it really sucks is like the bugs that I've been uh seeing like reported on Twitter, they're just like just random the most random things like no one would expect like it's just like oh i'm crashing because like i took a screenshot or something like i saw one person like oh i deleted my screenshots and now my game works i'm like what is happening yeah that is uh, definitely super random yeah so it's just been like random crashes that's what i've seen it's just like it's been rough but I mean, from what I've heard, when people are in there, beautiful zone. Uh, next up, uh, the Witches Festival is over. So, uh, how how has your Witches Festival been, Bob? My Witches Festival was pretty good, honestly. I mean, of course, as this year's theme seems to be, I wish I had to play more. Um uh, real life and just everything has taken me back so much but it does make me enjoy the time that I get to play a lot and 
you know, there was like a bit of event burnout, honestly, because we've had so much. And I had a hard time choosing between like my time was like very short. So I was like, well, do I want to do double XP, like grind out champion points? Or do I want to go for like all the glo- the gold? Or do I want to go for all the gold, like plunder skulls of the day? You know the Dramora skulls. So uh, I would kind of divide my time. Plus, my PvP addiction right now is like insane. I want to spend like so much time in Cyrodiil. I've been having so much fun. So that was like. Almost how I spent most of my Witches Festival was turning on double XP and then going to Cyrodiil. Um, and I've been, I just had a good Witches Festival. I enjoyed it, honestly. How was yours, dog? Uh, mine's been uh, pretty good. Uh, like the first half, uh, I was doing like everything except for I would only do like one, one of either the trial or the arena. Um, so the first half was just doing a bunch of trials and stuff. Um, at the beginning of the event, though, I did get all my master rates done because I needed uh, inventory space and bank space. And after I got those done, I was able to, you know, actually operate some characters that I wanted to play on. Um, as far as trials went, I uh, dedicated my uh, my uh, damage magplar to an actual DPS build, and it does pretty good. It's a heavy attack build. And it's about where I was before update 35 happened. So all in all, I would say that's pretty good. What are you running? I'm running a Sergeant Smale and Noble Duelist. Which do? Uh, Sergeant Mail, uh, whenever you do a heavy attack, it buffs up your heavy attacks and it stacks, I think, up to like five times or four times. And then, yeah, Noble Duelist does the... Increases your light and heavy attacks uh, when you're in close combat, and then like you have like ten seconds where you can move around outside. So, yeah, that sounds like a pretty lethal combo for uh, the current status of ESO. I'm not gonna lie. What monster set are you running? I don't think I am running a monster set. Oh, I'm, I'm running a. Uh, uh, so probably one. <laughs> piece trainee or something no i'm actually running one piece i think slime craw because i think that's like the good crit one and then i'm yeah like, yeah it is. Uh, mora's whispers or wh- whatever the shorter one is that you get you that gives you the, a bunch of crit and like the extra experience and stuff like that oh okay okay oh mythic yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit thick, and it gives you a decent crit. So, okay, fancy. Uh, but as I was doing uh, my arenas, I've been doing them pretty much solo because I wanted to get that companion experience, and I've managed to get Ember and Isabel to max level. So now I have all the companions at max level. So I felt pretty accomplished with the Witches Festival. Dang to max. Yep, level 20 here. Yeah, level 20. So. I don't even have one to max. Yeah, I mean. So I'm pretty chilly. (laughs) 
Yeah, you get to use the ultimate, which doesn't save and doesn't spawn in at 500. So most of the time, it doesn't actually do anything for me because I don't actually keep them around long enough to like <laughs> hold 500 or whatever their ultimate is. I'm not going to lie. That makes me feel a little better by having never experienced one of their ultimates. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, I had some interesting trio groups, to say the least. Um, one in per- in particular, I got kicked out of. Um, but that's because I wouldn't turn into a skeleton to help a random pet sork with Mom Inferno crashless. Because apparently me turning off my costume and turning into a skeleton would help. And every time he called out, like he called out a bunch of people, like half the group uh, that weren't skeletons. But somehow this guy always missed his fat Daedroth spewing fire everywhere that just spawned in. We were like, oh, I crashed. So I made him an offer that I was like, hey, I would turn into a skeleton if you put away the Daedroth. If so, he would actually stop crashing, and then I got kicked. So I guess that my offer was not a good offer. But I was able to get into a vet hellraw and got cure. I, I actually needed it, so it worked out in the end. And the guy probably still crashed because, well, there's other people that weren't a skeleton. So you thought you gave him an offer he didn't refuse, but it didn't matter because <laughs> he got kicked anyway. Yep. I got kicked anyway, so I'm like, oh, well, you're still going to crash, but... Oh, I'm... you got kicked? Yeah, I got kicked. Why I, did I... you get kicked? Because I wasn't going to turn into a skeleton, and I told him to take off his uh, <laughs> Daedroth, and I would turn into a skeleton, so... So the whole group kicked you? I mean, whoever's crown kicked me, because you don't need, like, consent of the whole group. But, yeah. Wow, that's savage. Yeah. Like I said, though, it worked out, so. Well, there you go. All right, our next bit of news is that there's a new Meet the Character, uh, Suravane, and a Lore Master's archive of the Druid Circles of Galen that are on the ESO website. So if you're interested in reading those, they are there. We also have the uh, November Crown Source Showcase. And a couple things that I found interesting uh, was the uh, Crown Crafting Motif, uh, Sierra Bannock Mar- uh, Marine. That's kind of come November 16th. And you can also get that in the Dread Soap Reef Trial Weekly Quest Coffers. So, yeah, that'll be available starting then. Uh, there's also the Symphony of Blaine's Arm Packs, which is November 10th to 17th. I think those just look cool. And then you can get the Symphony Blades Mass Style page from a drop-in veteran of Depths of Malatar. And then the Shorter Style page can be purchased with 50 keys from Ergolag or as a chance from Ergolag's Mystery Coffer. And those cost one key, so... And then having the achievement Throwing Shade will increase the drop chances of both items, which I believe is the hard mode. Is that the first time they've uh, like accompanied the achievement in with that? Or have I Apparently not it's noticed that? Like that? Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm, that's cool and interesting. 
Yeah. And apparently something I never knew. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, we have the opalescent epidermis skin. This is from November 10th to 17th, uh, 17th as well. And the, scared, uh, the skin is weird. It's like almost translucent in the picture with, uh, that is shown with it. So I don't know. It, it, it looks it's weird looking. That's so. Yeah, I did think the uh, Symphony of Blades arm pack was uh, kind of cool looking as well. But other than that, this Crenser showcase was like, eh, it was all right. Nothing I'm too insane about. I know I always go crazy at the Christmas time, though, so I'm kind of just saving it. Yeah, it's like, I kind of want, like, I like it when the crown store showcase isn't, like, a bunch of stuff that I really, really want, because then I don't spend all my crowns, so. Oh, you're 90,000 crowns? I don't have 90,000 crowns, all right? It's, that was, like, a long time ago, right? Oh, sorry. You're 70,000 crowns? <laughs> Well, that's because ESO Plus, right? That that doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> oh, that's because ESO Plus. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever magical reason you want to say, sure. Yeah. No, I, I haven't bought, bought crowns in like three years, though. So Why would you need to? You have 10,000 million crowns. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's because they went all out when they were on sale one time, and then... Never need, never needed to buy crowns again, really. Hey, man, it's good. It's a good way to do it, apparently, because you still have so many crowns. Yeah, I mean, some months, like you said, you don't spend some, and then you get ESO Plus, and then that stacks on top of what you already have. It's like, wow, there it goes. All right, and our last bit of news is Taverns and Tales. Uh, this is a new sweepstakes. And there's 10 amazing ESO treasure chests that, that are available to win. Uh, the treasure chests include a host of ESO and Legacy of the Bretons goodies, in addition to a gift voucher for the official Bethesda gear store. So that's pretty cool. And then you can also earn a total of 10 bonus entries by spending event tickets. And for every five event tickets you spend at the Impresario, Vendor, you can earn one bonus entry in the sweep uh, sweepstakes for the max of 10. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. And then in addition to the sweepstakes, uh, everybody can participate in a bunch of community-focused fun with weekly themes and a host of social prompts and activities lined up throughout the rest of the year. Uh, there's a picture on the different of the different weeks on the website and probably Twitter, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, so a new sweepstakes and a lot of community stuff's going to be happening pretty much until the end of the year. So that's pretty cool. It's definitely cool when they, you know, do some stuff like that. Even though I don't think uh, we've won yet, but hey, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. So is that going to wrap it up for the news, dog? Yep, that's all the news for this week. All right, so... Let's get into the current state of Cyrodiil, which, as I'm understanding, is pretty bad, unfortunately, because there is a full game-breaking bug on PC from this patch where Siege and Camps aren't going away. 
and both the space and the siege is unusable. You also can't place more siege in a different area because the broken siege counts towards the cap. Now, this was patched in a hotfix, but there was a lot of ridiculous siege piles around Cyrodiil. So, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that was like the second hotfix, or maybe the first, I don't know. But they got it, like, I want to say on a... I want to say they they did it like the day after the DLC released, or maybe the two days after the DLC released. So they got it fixed pretty fast, but there was still like you couldn't really play. Like I like when I was trying to test out my thing, I went to go uh, to Glade Mist, which was owned by AD, and we're trying to break a wall, but we can't. We couldn't siege the walls because we had to uh, siege it from like the mine side, like hill. And we were able to break the, or someone broke the outer wall. So I went in, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go to the front door and we're going to like do a ram. Well, we couldn't do a ram. So that was problematic. And the only way we could do it was like hit like three ballistas against the inner posture wall, which definitely was not working because a bunch of 80 showed up. So. All right, next up, we have a uh, Emperor Scaling in Cyrodiil. Uh, the health bonus for having an Emperor Crown for your alliance will now scale depending on how many home or natively owned keeps you have controlled by your alliance. For example, if you own all six of your home keeps, you'll get the full bonus as Emperor. But for each of those you don't own, the health bonus is reduced. Um, the Emperor passives will now also now scale in a similar way to the alliance-wide health bonus, but for each of this uh for each of the six home keeps your alliance owns, uh, the bonus will be up to its full value. For each one that is not owned by your alliance, the passive benefits are reduced. So I had a comment on there, but then I just read it and I realized that they must have changed it since I uh looked at it last. And this is actually a pretty interesting change. Um, because it has to do with your home keeps. And one thing that you'll see emperors do a lot is that they'll kind of just like let all the home keeps go and uh, only to find their last emperor keep, which can be fun, but uh, is uh, definitely interesting sometimes. Because a lot of times, like if you can't get to like the inner keeps, your, your inner home keeps, your inner emperor keeps, uh, you can't more people can't really join to help. Otherwise, they have to, like, run from the gate all the way over there, and nobody wants to make that run. Well, it's definitely interesting. Kind of a bummer, you know, if you're actually Emperor, because you don't get as much, you know, of a full bonus. But it's probably for the best, you know considering uh, the populations of the PvP servers. So, it's good to see that they did something with it. Alright, next up we have uh, Armory Stations in PvP. Uh, Armory Stations have been added to Portal Keep locations for each Alliance in Cyrodiil and each Sewer Entry in Imperial Sewers. Uh, this is nice for PvP, but it's also nice for, you know, Zoss, because there is a reason to buy armory slots if you're a PvPer now, 
Whereas before, there really wasn't much of a reason to, because if you forgot to put it on bef uh, before you went into Cyrodiil, then, well, you're not going to leave Cyrodiil and go wait in another hour-long queue. So, uh, so yeah, this is something that definitely is a good good thing that they did. Um, as for me, though, uh, this they did take a while. Like this, they took a year to do this, and in that year, I figured out how to uh, set up one or two of my builds that have multiple, uh, like one or two of my characters that have multiple builds to manually just swap out stuff because I always forgot to do it beforehand. Uh, so personally, I'm not really going to be buying additional stuff until like either it's on a good sale or they change the slots to being, you know, account wide instead of per character, because I don't really, like I said, I can manually do it. So it's definitely good that they added it into uh PVP though. Yeah, man. Armory stations. I can say, I think it's about time in the, it was just long, in a long time coming, but hey, that's exciting. And then that's all the uh, like updates for Cyrodiil as far as like patch notes go and that kind of stuff. Let's uh, knock out some quick leaderboards. We got PC and Xbox for you guys this week. Our our uh, PlayStation is very mad at me, so you know how it goes. But for Greyhost and PCNA, we've got DC in the lead, 71k. AD right behind him at 68.7. EP in last at 68.3. And on EU, we've got DC in the lead. And then at 74k. And then EP at 66k. And AD bringing up the caboose at 60k. Alright, for uh, Xbox NA, there's 22 days left in the campaign. Uh, we have, they have uh, AD in first with 30k, DC in second with 21k, and EP in last with 19k. So, yeah, we're just, you know, DC, they're just taking it easy right now because we won last campaign. And that's all that really matters. So. You know, who really cares about this campaign, right? <laughs> For uh, Xbox EU, we have uh, EP in first with 33k, AD in second with 18k, and DC in last with 15k. So, yeah, pretty big gap there. Although, I feel like Xbox EU generally has a pretty big gap between first and third, so. Yeah. Sometimes you just never know uh, with EU. Yeah. And once again, PlayStation scores. We're sorry, updates, you know, they just hit us hard this week, right when we logged in, but we'll be back to you next week, no doubt. And then that's going to wrap us up for all of the Cyrodiil-related, or Cyrodiil and PvP-related patch notes. And Well, with that, wrapping up all of our PvP and, you know, all that kind of uh, Cyrodiil stuff, Let's get right into the meat of the episode. We've got the Fire Song DLC patch notes. 
And then we've got the rest of the update patch notes, but we're going to start right off with Fire Song. So, uh, Dog, what is this new zone uh, bringing to the people of Tamriel? Alright, so we're getting the new zone of Gallon. This is like a really tiny aisle, or maybe two, that's just north of High Isle. Um, and then you're going to have your normal two delves, two world bosses. You're going to have some volcanic vent, world event locations, and uh, some wandering world bosses again. Just similar with the Deadlands. You know, I, I do like the volcanic vents, but like this is like ever since elsewhere now, they're like doing the same like, oh, dragons and dragons. And then it was hair storms and hair storms. I'm like, you know, it, it would be kind of cool if they switched them up like a bit in the second, you know, term, made them like a little different. So it wasn't just the same thing. Yeah, I mean, at least they're not like Deadlands portals, right? Oh, god! Like going to Deadlands portals in the Deadlands. Those were, yeah, I knew I was missing something else in there. <laughs> I, those were uh, forgettable, to say the least. But, yeah, you know, I don't know. It, it's just, in the, but it's not like the Deadlands ones were different than Blackwood either. Like the same no. thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so... I don't know. I do think it's cool for the fact that I like the volcanic vents and I really enjoyed them, so that's cool. But uh, I think the second DLC, you know, just could probably... They could keep the same theme, but maybe move on to something else. I don't know. Just me spitballing, though. Maybe put, like, a little twist to it or something? Yeah, right. You know, to be fair, in Southern Elsewhere, didn't they, like... um, you know, they, like, really upgraded the dragon fight, and it was, like, a whole yeah. kind of newer experience. That, you know, if they did something like that each time, then that would be, I think, really cool. Yeah, but then, if I remember correctly, they also updated the dragons in Northern Elsewhere. In Northern Elsewhere, yeah, I was going to say that to you. So it kind of defeated the uh, purpose. It wasn't like, oh, but... Because then everyone would just go fight them in Southern Elsewhere, I guess, which is what ended up happening anyways, so... Uh, because it's a smaller, you know, rotation. But, yeah, so, uh, not to get totally off track on literally the first uh, point, but hey, you know, that's how it goes. And um, we are, you know, we're excited. We still have a few days before we get our hands on uh, the Firesong DLC and the Gallon region. So we can't wait for it. There are some new sets, of course. We have uh, some of them here for you. The Back Alley Gourmand Light Armor Set. Um, I love the name immediately. So the five piece. When you have a food buff active, your critical damage and critical healing is increased by 13%. That's pretty high. That's pretty significant. And uh, there's a lot of good foods out there that you could use. Of course, you know, a lot of people use a lot of the good drinks too. But you've got a lot of good options. So if you're comparing to, like, Order's Wrath, you get 5% more crit damage and healing. But 940 less crit chance. So, I mean, you do the math. I don't know. But it sounds pretty nice to me. Yep, it was definitely an interesting one. 
The uh, next set we have is Claw of the Forest Wraith, and this is a crafted set. And this one is going to add two things of crit chance, uh, weapon and spell damage. And then its fifth piece bonus reads, uh, it adds 2037 crit chance to your class abilities. And when you compare it to Mother Sorrow's Mother Sorrow or Leviathan, you lose out on a Magicka or a Stamina, depending on which set you use, but you gain the weapon and spell damage. And Mother Sorrow's fifth bonus gives your 1528 crit chance, but applies to all abilities. So it's a little bit different. You get 500 more crit chance. Um, this is really only good if you're using, like, you know, mostly class abilities. So, I kind of just think Templar, because, well, I play Templar. Um, and they have a really good spammable. I could see Necromancer, too, because I like the Scythe skill. I don't know if that's really good or not, but that's my spammable whenever I play that. Yeah. Lots of interesting sets, for sure. Yeah, uh, what I really like about this set is that it kind of, like, uh, enforces you to go with your class abilities instead of, like, just any abilities. Like, it puts more of a cl class-oriented focus on you. So. That is definitely nice to see, considering how, like, just no class identity builds have been lately. Like, so many builds are just focused on the same... Uh, you know, weapon skills or guild skills just kind of gets a little bit lame. So it's nice to see some class identity. Yeah. Of course, how many people are going to use it? Who knows? I don't know. It depends. All right, next up we have a couple of myth new mythic items this patch. Uh, the first one is going to be a medium chest. It's uh, Thon's Lark Cladding. Uh, if you continuously sprint for one second, you gain the ability to pass through enemies. Enemies you pass through become charmed for four seconds, removing their ability to attack or cast abilities as they move toward you. Charming an enemy this way restores 678 stamina magicka to you and heals you for 678 health. Charming an enemy removes you from stealth. So, Bob, what do you think about this mythic? I'm trying to imagine a situation where someone's like, ah, oh, yeah, I really need to go get 700 magicka and health and stamina right now, so I'm going to go sneak around and charm this person. Yeah, I was thinking, like, oh, like you might be able to pair this up nicely with, you know, Vampire, when you can just, like, whenever you sprint, you turn invisible, but as soon as you charm an enemy... Uh, it removes you from self, so yeah. When uh, I was first like hearing you read it, I was like thinking in my head, okay, this could be good with night blades. And then as it got to the end, I was like, it pulls you out of stealth. I was like, well, I mean, I guess you could still like hit someone with it and then like dip into invisibility again right after, I guess. I don't know, but I don't know, it doesn't sound like a very practical one, honestly. Yeah, my biggest complaint on this set is that, uh, you know, NPCs, they can push you around however much they want. So um, I'd rather just them make uh, the NPCs not push you around at all. Like That would be my preferred thing. 
especially since you can just r- run right through a Zerg of players. So in like PVP. So I, uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Because there's so many times where, you know, I've been going for a revive and, you know, the boss just pushes me two inches off to the side, stopping a revive. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't like the uh, whole NPCs being able to push you around. I don't know. The fact that it's a medium chest too makes me think that it's like more lean towards like a stand blade or anything like pops in and out of stealth. Yeah, I can see that. I was thinking it's interesting to see Mythics as like body pieces, honestly. Yeah. uh, It kind of started off as being like mostly jewelry. Mostly rings. That's what I would assume them to be. But... This patch we got a lot of body pieces. So next one we've got light legs, which is Stormweaver's Cavort. This adds 300 magicka recovery, sprint, roll dodge, bash, break free, sneak, and block. Okay, so this one adds 300 magicka recovery. And makes sprint, roll dodge, bash, Break free, sneak, and block now consume magicka instead of stamina. You cannot regain magicka while blocking, sneaking, or sprinting, just like you can't regain, you know, stamina like that normally. So, plus, you also can't restore stamina while doing that stuff now, so it just adds magic to it. So, this is gonna be really interesting, I think. Um, it kind of sucks it's light legs. You would think they would let it be like heavy because it seems like some tanks would use. But I might have to try it on my tank personally, you know. And just like go full magic instead of stamina. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about using this on my uh, Templar tank on PC because it could use some help after update 35. And this, I think, could definitely help it. So. It does kind of suck at light legs, though. Heavy legs would definitely be better for me. Yeah, I really was interested by that. I mean, maybe they're just thinking just regular Magicka players are going to wear it. I don't know. I don't really see it just doing anything for, like, my DPS Magicka characters or PvP, but things seem interesting. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that it adds 300 Magicka recovery, which, if you're blocking, that doesn't even help. So that's interesting. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking about is like, this would have been really nice to have, you know, like three or four years ago when, you know, sprint actually costed stuff, you know, like when you're a mage, you used to only be able to sprint for like three or four seconds because you only had 10 K stamina and sprinting would cost like one case or 1500 stamina a second. So those were definitely not fun times. Yeah. I, did we even have Mythics back then? No, we didn't have Mythics back then. But, like, if this would have been a thing back then, every Magicka DPS, I would imagine, would be running this for, like, not, maybe not for, like, that content, but for, like, just trying to get for speed runs or trying to just clear through Magic, uh, or not Magic, uh, just try to clear through uh, dungeons as fast as possible or trials as fast as possible. 
Dude, I can't even keep up with Magic at DPS anymore. They got so tired of using the one weapon Zoss gives us that now they're doing dual wield and bows and stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, I I can't do this. Yeah. Here's your Magicka character. Here's your uh, stamina-themed weapons. Have fun. Yeah, go do melee. I'm like, uh, no, that's not what I do. <laughs> yeah. All right, the last mythic item we have here is the he heavy belt of Sirabane's Warden. Uh, you cannot move while bracing. While bracing, you create a 12-meter zone of protection. Allies within the zone increase their block mitigation by 30% and their health recovery by 950. And then there's a dev comment. Uh, the block mitigation and health recovery only affects allies and not the set where you shield wall with this ability at your own risk as you won't be able to move for the duration of the ultimate. Uh, okay. Why did they add in that bit about shield wall at the end? Um, because you have block up, I guess, so that means you can't move during the duration. So if you were to, like, use shield wall and you're standing in some, like, big bad AoE, you're going to die, probably. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, I definitely think this is going to be a pretty good one for off tanks, because you're just going to be able to help uh, increase the block mitigation of the main tank, and, uh, yeah. I think you're also going to be able to... This could also be, like, something that some healers might use to help uh, just to kind of, like... Uh, help your off tank too so it'll be interesting on how many different ways this can be applied to help other you know uh, people in trials yeah so 13 meters is um if you guys are similar uh familiar if you guys are familiar with sanctuary and the circle that it puts under you that's a 10 meter circle this is 13 so it's a bit bigger uh let me see so, also similar to Lord Warden's, which is only an 8 meter circle. So, 12 meters is pretty big. Uh, it's bigger than either of these other two sets. And, not only are they getting block mitigation, but they're getting health recovery. So, I definitely see a lot of people probably trying to sneak this into their uh, tank builds, like you said, dog. For off tanks, too, for sure. Gives them something to wear that's not like the basic, you know, usual trial sets that all the other tanks have already. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, uh, after kind of, you know, reading those uh, mythics, especially the last two, there's like, you know, little dog comment slash question that I had. And what's the difference between blocking and bracing? Right. Like, as far as we can tell, it means the same thing, and it's only used as, like, fluff for a technical definition, but works the same in, in the game. And it's just kind of, honestly, just a bit confusing to have, like, one bit being all right whenever you're bracing. Wait, no. Yeah, it's kind of uh, confusing when you have one bit be, be like, all right, whenever you're blocking this happens and then the mythic literally right underneath it is whenever you're bracing this happens and it means the same thing it's just a bit weird yeah so 
all kinds of interesting mythics and uh especially for tanks so make sure to keep an eye out for those and uh yeah as usual you know with mythics you got leads to go get before you could dig it up so make sure to uh pay attention to those so also coming with the uh, new dlc is the uh, new patron deck for tales of tribute the druid king which is always exciting yeah i'm a uh... Starting to wonder if we're gonna get like a new uh deck, like with every uh overland DLC now, or if it's just gonna be like, all right, here's these now five decks, right? Maybe this is the fifth, no, this would be the ninth, right? Yeah, this would be the ninth one. So I wonder if they're like, no, nah, nine's an odd number though, they have to add like at least another one, right? I don't know. They might be adding more decks, or maybe they're not. I don't know. But nine's definitely a weird one, so I can definitely see them at least adding one more next year. All right. Uh, coming with uh, Gan the Gallon Zone, uh, there are some new collectibles and dies this DLC. We have the uh, Fire Song Obsidian Mask, uh, the Dre Ofei Old Growth Sigils Based in Furnishing, the Yephalon's Body Band brand markings, the Yephalon's face brand markings, the Phoenix Moth pet, and the Ascendant Lord's Greatsword outfit piece. Or the Ascendant Lord's Greatsword outfit style. Uh, the King Organum's wine dye. And lastly, the Pelin's Paragon outfit style. And then we also have some more new mythics. We obviously have, you know, the three mythic items that we said before, but also the Blessings of Stone's music box, music box, the uh, bark, the bark root blessing skin, the Elder Tide shoulder style page, and the ancient map of Fargrave. And I think probably a few others, but those were like the big ones that I was like, oh, these are like the big ones to point out, so... So to go along with all this other new stuff, we've also got new titles. Guardian of Galen, Mighty and Magma, Sower's Savior, and Eye of the Queen. Alright, and finishing up the new additions to uh, the Fire Song DLC, we have new furnishings. Um, first off, there's a little note about furnishings, and they have taken a different approach to home goods and gallon and have combined inventories between the Gonfalon Bay and Vestir vendors, Maruza in Gonfalon Bay and Ormax Limitoire in Vestir. Both vendors sell all new home goods in introducing High Isle and a few new furnishing introducing gallon, which include the sunflower clusters, some sea daffodils and beech trees, along with a few others. And then as for you know, uh, other furnishings go, there's a broad selection of gallon-style furnishing plans, which are obtained from pickpocketing, monsters, and containers across gallon. Uh, you have various gallon achievement furnishings that can be purchased in Idrini, Baron, and Vastir, 
including a pair of massive megalith hands and a volcanic lava spout, provided you have completed their associated achievements. The volcanic lava sprout sounds pretty cool. Uh, crafting plans for five new Fire Song Druidic style furnishings that can be found very rarely by participating in volcanic vents and gallon. So definitely be sure to be farming those volcanic vents. And then lastly, you can get new tribute tapestries that can be found for the, the Chimera and Forest Wraith from tribute reward purses. So more tribute tapestries with the DLC. But uh, this is going to wrap up the uh, new additions with the Gallon Zone with Fire Song. Lots of new fun Fire Song stuff for everyone to go get into for sure. And that's going to bring us to our Robots Radio break. Which, as always, we want to remind you guys we're part of the oh-so-wildly-popular Robots Radio Podcast Network, where if you go check out robotsradio.net, you'll find a plethora of awesome shows that you'll probably enjoy, just like ours. So go check it out, robotsradio.net. Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. Alright, dog, so... We're through the fire song uh, portion here of our notes. We've really got a bunch of update 36 stuff left for you guys. This is going to be stuff that's coming to the base game, stuff that everyone is going to feel, uh, regardless of whether you own fire song or ESO plus or not. So there was a few things that they're uh, throwing out into the game right off the bat. Uh, one that, Apparently, people have been really asking for uh, is a target marking system. So they added a new UI system that allows you to mark allies, enemies, and even yourself with a unique icon. Target marking can be used across all types of content, including dungeons, trials, PvP, and in the Overland. It can also be used well in a group or solo. So... Dog, I don't know. Like, are you gonna be out there targeting yourself all day? Because that's an interesting option. Um, I did target myself actually. That that was one of the very first things that I did because I didn't know how it worked. So I was like, "Oh, I have this marker on myself. That's not what I wanted. That's interesting." Um, hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, you fi- you started figuring it out pretty quickly then. Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah, that was actually the first thing that I learned, so that's uh, interesting. 
Um, but yeah, I did go in to kind of like test it out, right? And you can target keep walls, but the icon does not appear over the wall, like how it appears over players and over NPCs. Um, it appears by the name of the wall and on your compass at the top of your screen, which is both nice, but it'd be even better if it appeared like over the wall. Um, and I think this would be cool to have in Cyrodiil if your guild members can also see, so you can coordinate what wall you want to destroy. Just like, you know, put 2020 Siege on a fort wall and just destroy that wall. Or, you know, throwing it out there, you know, having bigger groups in Cyrodiil again, you wouldn't really have to make it so guild, guild members also see it because you can just have like, all right, we have this nice big 16 or even 24 man group again and Cyrodiil so we can all like siege together. So, but uh, yeah, I I definitely think that it's uh, cool that they got it to work inside of PvP. So, especially against walls, because that's when I was thinking uh, when, when they're saying about PvP. I'm like, all right, like if it doesn't work against like walls, then I don't like. Yeah, it's nice to be able to target healers, but you're I mean, healers can very easily kite in and out. So I don't know how that would work so yeah and then a little bit more about the uh target marker system is uh by default the feature is bound to the tab key or the right d-pad on gamepad you know controller for console uh simply hover over an entity entity and press uh the button and you can select any icon to the wheel to mark to apply the target wall. And then if you want to target yourself, you just look at nothing. You just stare at the ground or stare off in the sky or stare off in some random distance. Staring off into a crate. That's what I did. So one of the next things that they brought here to the base game, which is definitely something that's been highly requested, is the ability to hide pets in towns, all your non-combat pets. So not just your cute little, you know, bear or chubloon or whatever you have following you around, but your uh, sork pets too and your warden bear. And it also applies to assistants and companions. So that's kind of nice if you don't want them falling around in a very tight, you know, kind of smaller zone. Yeah, uh, apparently this only applies to uh, very specific areas that are like daily crafting, writ boards and writ stations and writ turning areas and basic crafting stations. And I think maybe a few other places. So not just like anywhere in town. Which I'm okay with that, but other people are like, they wanted it to be the entire town. But I'm like, I don't know. That seems a bit much to me. But I, I don't know about you, but I definitely want to be able to show off my pets and stuff. So, And then uh, your own pets will not be hidden if this option is turned on. And if a player whose pets are hidden 
gets in a duel or combat near while near the affected objects, the pets will reappear. So you don't have to worry about being attacked by hidden pets while in a duel. That's good. And the setting can be found within the gameplay menu and toggling limit followers and towns. And this is just an optional feature. And then right now on a PC, uh, having this turned on, uh, some people are crashing the desktop when they turn it on. And whenever the feature turns on, um, they're investigating the issue and they should be fixed in the next incremental patch. Um, and if you do encounter the issue, they recommend to not using the hide followers option until the issue is fixed. So then another little thing that added was chat narration. So this is an accessibility mode feature, which is now available that will let you have the game narrate what is said in text chat channels out loud. This setting is off by default and you can toggle it on by navigating to the accessibility menu and settings. And uh, the last thing to note about that is that uh, the accessibility mode needs to be enabled for it to be available, which I've never actually tried as accessibility mode, but I've heard from other people that it's not very friendly, I guess. So, yeah, uh, which is kind of lame, but at least they're making uh, some progress on it. And uh, maybe they'll continue to do so. Channelation can be cool, especially for people who need that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right, next up we have uh, some housing quality of life improvements. Um, visitors can now access the retrieval tab of the browse menu, which includes modify, set destination, precision edit, edit access if their printed mission allow it, uh, if you do not have permission to edit this home, this mode is now named in as inspection mode. So now I think with the inspection mode, uh, you can now look at different things. And if you really like something, you can like click on it and it'll be like, and it'll tell you what it is. So that's pretty cool. Uh, they also added a display in the upper right corner under the currently tracked quest, uh, identifying the name of the current home, the homeowner, and the current number of visitor, visitors that are in the home. Um, and pretty much it just has the basic name of the home, which is pretty cool because they're, again, same thing as before. If like you want to know what home it is, if it's a crown store home, then you might want to be like, all right, I want to get this home the next time it goes on sale. Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool if it showed uh, the player name of the house too, because you, players can you know name their own houses. Uh, to kind of like go with whatever theme the house is or whatever, however they like decorate it. So some people do Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, holiday fla flavored ones or seasonal flavored stuff. So, all right. Uh, one, I think one of the big ones with the housing quality is that you can now share links to any of your homes via chat or in the guild message of the day. Uh, links to your homes can be created from the collections menu or from the house information panel shown while in uh, how home is browsed or inspection mode. Um, 
this I don't think is that big for uh, PC because they have some really nice add-ons that does that for that does that for you. But if you don't have those add-ons, it's pretty big for PC, and it's also really big for consoles because one of the things that I think, especially console players, have been wanting for a while is like a dedicated guild tap for housing. And while this is not that, this is really good to have in its place to be able to be like, all right, you want the guild hall, you can have it in this message of the day. Of the day. You don't have to search through like six of the different guild leaders to be like, all right, this one is the one that I need. So that's a pretty amazing change for console players and in particular. I think that it's a good step in the right direction for housing, but it would be nice to have a dedicated guild tab, as he said. But you never know. So they also added the ability for you to cycle through targets using the tab key in the housing editor's selection mode. This makes selecting books in bookcases, fishing in aquariums, and other items tucked away inside larger items easier. So I wonder how it's going to work for us on console, but that's cool that they did that. Actually, I uh, tried that a little bit, and... It's going to be definitely nice for my uh, bookshelves that do not have books in them, but instead, like, I don't know, weird stuff like skulls and flesh and jars of stuff. So. Right. Okay, cool, cool. (laughs) Well, that's good for you and all your weird objects on your uh, shelves there, dog. Thank you. Thank you. So. Furnishings intended to hang on walls now align more naturally with surfaces, aligning flat to the surface instead of embedded at sideways in the surface. So that happens to me on all my paintings, so that's definitely going to be really nice. Yeah, but you can't forget about those monster trophies and bust. So... And then several hundred furnishings were adjusted to use this new tech across a large range of furniture categories, most notably art, banners, mounted decor, paintings, sconces, and shelves, to name a few. Future items tooltips now include the furniture subcategory under the category on the top left of a furnishings tooltip. So there's, you know, a complicated sentence for you. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have a daily login reward timer changes. Uh, In this update, your new daily login reward will will start being available at 3 a.m. UTC for European servers and 10 a.m. UTC for North American servers rather than at midnight UTC, regardless of region. So, Bob, how do you feel about this change? What, What are your thoughts? Um, what time does it mean for us? Um, hold on. Let me see what that means. That is a uh, 5 a.m. Eastern time, which would be. Two, no, four central three, two a.m. Pacific time. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty early. Um, I mean, 
I can't remember when the daily login one was. I feel like it was kind of random, like 5 p.m. or something for me. So I guess that doesn't really bother me as much as long as they're not changing, like, the pledges and stuff daily reset. Then I guess that's okay. Yeah, my thoughts are kind of just like, oh, why? Like, it, like it's been, like, the same for so long. And then now they're changing it. And it's like, why? But they're going to do a change. But they're not going to make the change for, like, all the daily stuff be universal. I think that's the thing that I find, like, the most weird about it. Like, I feel like if they're going to change stuff around, they should make all daily things reset at the same time. And you can have NA and EU have, like, different reset times. I'm fine with that. But you might as well make everything, you know, the daily quest and daily your login reward reset at the same time. So they also increased the drop chance of the Antiquity Leads, Sclerotic Tentacle, and Bloodshot Oculus for the Mora's Whispers Mythic item. So there's some fancy names for a fancy item I don't have. Yeah, I hope uh, the Watchling lead in particular was increased by, like, I don't know, a solid, a small 100 times because that one was ridiculous. They both were ridiculous, but the Watchling one was especially ridiculous. All right, next up we have some Tales of Tribute card game changes. So some general changes is... uh. You can now skip the tribute tutorial on other characters as long as you've completed it on at least one character on your account. Pretty nice. Oh, yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, some tribute NPC opponents are now a little bit smarter. So. I feel like I they feel said like, that last time. Yeah, I, I feel like they said that last time, too. So, you know, tribute NPC players, they're evolving. Uh, Tribute now has its own gameplay musical score. Uh, Tales of Tribute daily quest givers Marujini and Kishka now have proper job titles rather than it being part of their names. Improving the messaging when Tribute matches are not available. Adjusted the Patreon draft drafting screen to better accommodate the new druid king deck i wonder if that means they like change the colors around because that would be nice the, the tales of tribute daily quests will now display in the tales of tribute quest category in your journal also nice uh proficient npcs may now select the sorcerer or gnome king patron and then lastly, proficient and expert NPCs may now select the newly available Druid King Patron. Ooh, man. I like that they're at least uh, making it where they can select the you know new deck. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You want to go over some of the gameplay changes? Yeah, so there's a few... They fixed an issue that prevented knockout effects if an opponent had exactly six agents and their fifth agent had taunt. Which, you know, that's just very specific kind of issue. Yeah, very specific. I don't know how they would have found that. Or how someone would be like, alright, that's weird. Like, 
I don't know how anyone found that, figured that out. And then uh, lastly, there are several card changes. Uh, naming them out won't be fun to, and it won't be fun to listen to. So be sure to check the patch notes for it. I'm not a huge, you know, Tales of Tribute fan, but I don't think there is any crazy changes or anything like that. Um, I could be very wrong though, because like I said, I'm not a huge Tales of Tribute fan. I haven't put in that much time into it. So be sure to definitely check that out and maybe be like, dog, you missed these, these really big, massive, uh, Tales of Tribute changes. So, well, you know what? I'm just not going to tell you about it. I'm going to go learn them and then beat you. So there you go. Yeah. I'll become the number one Tales of Tribute player among the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. And, uh, we do have some companion stuff to talk about, but before that, there's one last thing. They fixed an issue that caused all loot in Graven Deep and Earthen Root Enclave to follow curation rules rather than just bosses. Only bosses have curated drops for item sets in these dungeons. I mean, this doesn't apparently sound like an issue to Dogged, but it was to me. I mean, all right, all right. So I got Earthen Root Enclave today as my random dungeon, right? Mm-hmm. We killed trash mobs, and I got one set piece. I also got a set piece out of a chest. Both were new set pieces. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying I prefer the uh, curated set pieces or set drops of chests and trash mobs. So. Yeah, yeah, I'll take curated drops from any possible anything. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, I, I don't think they needed to fix that. I think they could have left it as, you know. Oh, I when I read it, I thought it was like they fixed an issue where the bosses only dropped the specific dumb pieces. And because that was stupid to me. Oh, yeah. No, it's. uh, Yeah, the bosses not are dropped. This is the chests and trash mobs are apparently curated too. Of course. All right, companions. Uh, we have a few companion changes here. All right, first off, uh, Ember's hidden wallet has a slightly higher chance to drop multiple times in a row. So if you're going on a pickpocketing spree, that's better. Uh, the increased likelihood of Ember having something unique to say when pickpocketing guards. Because you have to be pretty crazy if you're going to go pickpocket a guard. So that makes sense. Uh, the update of the companion's dual wield ability, Swift Assault, to now use the same player animation as Flurry. And they updated Isabel's Penetrating Strikes ability to share the same animation as Biting Jabs. This ability now hits three times instead of four, but maintains the same total damage done. And so these are. Th- so this is just them doubling down on these changes from update 35, which means that those are going to be there to stay. All right, your uh, companions now have more to say when you complete a uh, geyser in Somerset. Your companions will no longer incorrectly queue up light attacks shortly after using a channeled attack. Uh, we have some report changes. Uh, the increase of rapport gained with Isabel when killing a world boss. 
Uh, Ember can now gain rapport more often when harvesting rune nodes in the world. They fixed an issue where Miri might not receive a rapport increase when turning in an Ashlander quest if you set your companion reaction frequencies to minimal. And then lastly, they fixed an issue where Isabel would not give you a rapport increase if you were mounted when approaching an un undaunted enclave. Which, for me, I always approached the undaunted enclave mounted, so I didn't know that was a thing. And probably happened a few times, but very rarely. Because I always run there on my mount. Because who has time for walking? Not me, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'll, my, I'll mount and move like 10 meters. Like, I'm very, uh, I don't know, I like to mount. <laughs> But uh, that is all of the companion changes or fixes. Yeah, that was definitely uh, some interesting stuff in there. Seems like they are, you know, constantly working on the companions and trying to keep it relevant and moving in a good direction. So it's good to not see it fall by the wayside. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. All right, next up, uh, you can now accept a daily alchemy writ even if you just turned one in from a previous day. So uh, alchemy writs are now fixed, and this is a fix that the community has been waiting seemingly ages for, especially if you were on PC, because that has been a bug for a little bit, a little while longer than it has been on console. So I know many people are happy with that fix. So they added a new option to improve device performance when the game client is not in focus by enabling by enabling limit background FPS within video settings. The game client FPS limit will be set to 30 when the client is not in focus. So this reduces system resource usage when it is not needed, and the setting is enabled by default. So if you don't want it on, you gotta go turn it off. Now they added a new column in the potency rune tab at the enchanting station as well that communicates what level glyph the rune makes. Runes that have not yet been translated will display a question mark. Yeah, if uh, that works the way it sounds, that'll be super helpful for creating low-level glyphs. Because I do not remember the low-level glyphs. Yeah, and it always gets super confusing. Yeah. I know my Regera and my Rapora and my Atade. And I don't know what the other one is, but I know it's the one that I have like 2,000 of. So I know that's the 150. So... Anything else, I don't know what, what they are. Alright. Uh, next up, we have the uh, mail. Uh, they fixed an issue where you cannot immediately read mail after being notified of new mail. The mailbox would appear empty or mail would be displayed with no contents. Uh, they added a visual spawner when loading mail. They fixed an issue where your mail could error erroneously display a message stating that your inbox is full when it is not actually full. 
And when opening mail, you will now see a loading spinner icon while mail is retrieved. And I got both of those issues all the time. And there's only, well, now there's only like a week more of those issues until we get the Fire Song DLC on console. So only one more week of those issues to go. All right. Well, at least they're touching up some stuff in the mail, you know, because it, uh, you know, I don't know. It's still a base game system that could use some love. So it's good to see. All right. So that's going to bring us to our combat classes, weapons, and more section of our patch notes. And, uh, we got a little bit left to talk about with you guys, so stick with us here. This is where uh, things get a little bit more intense, you know, dealing with classes and skills and whatnot. So, right off the bat, uh, we got some issues that they worked on. They fixed an issue where rezoning could cause your character to load a different ability bar in some rare cases. And this happened with a lot of wall elements, so... As you can imagine, things are going wrong. But they fixed it. So, the next one, they fixed an issue where you could become stuck heavy attacking indefinitely after dodge rolling while inputting a light attack. So, uh, if that happened to you, then that's actually kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. But, actually, uh, heavy attacking indefinitely, I feel like that's happened to me before where I'm just holding my greatsword, like, up in the air running around. Has that ever happened to you, Don? Uh, that one? Yes. I, I, I didn't really have it happen until I, uh, started doing a heavy attack build. See, right? I'm telling yeah. you, it's like, it's, it happens. Yeah, uh, hopefully this also includes the blocking into a heavy attack bug too, which I think it might be the same now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, because uh, if they can get both of those bugs fixed, uh, that'd be pretty good for heavy attack builds because heavy attack builds are really are really good. You know, heavy attack builds are doing a lot of damage until your heavy attacks aren't working. Then your uh, heavy attack builds are doing zero damage. For the time being. So hopefully this means heavy attack builds are much better. Well I think that's what they wanted right. Is to empower heavy attack builds. Yeah. Alright so those were our few of our bug fixes in there. Now we're going to hop into some of the class uh, changes. And skill changes that we have going on within you know the classes. Uh, so, Dog, why don't you start us off with the Warden? Alright, first off, we have the Arctic Blast Morph. They remove the target cap from the damage of this morph, as the damage is no longer tied to stunning enemies. Uh, next up, we have a Piercing Cold. This passive now increases your damage done by 2%, which increases to 12% while wielding an Ice Staff, rather than increasing your Magic or Frost damage by 10%. And there's a dev comment on here. This passive was creating issues with morph choices in the class, as Wardens have a healthy mix of damage types outside of Magic and Frost. Uh, many morphs that are meant to focus on damage are either close, or either close to, or even eclipsed by the more utility-driven utility morphs that retain magic damage. 
and the lack of more DPS-focused ice damage abilities, uh, since they are predominantly made for tanks or utility, create a situation where this passive isn't helping the unique identity of ice mages keep up with other playstyles. By shifting the focus of the passes over to generic damage, that contextually gets stronger for the audience that the passive is made for. We hope to help bring that playstyle up a bit more. So for those ice-focused wardens, this should help you a lot as long as you have an ice staff on your front bar. I wonder if there's still a lot of people doing ice wardens. It, I tried one a while ago, but it's just a complicated build. Oh, I guess uh, you don't necessarily have to have only ice damage because yeah, that's true. Increased your damage done by twenty. Uh, I not twenty. Uh, this just increased your damage done by twelve percent now when you have an ice staff, so you can have like other things too. Right, yeah. You just have ice as, like, primary focus. Alright, uh, next up we have Advanced Species. Uh, this passive now increases your crit damage done by 4% rather than your armor penetration by 990. And I'm pretty sure that's per animal companion skill that you have on your bar. There's also a dev comment on here. We're shifting this passive's focus away from raw damage and more into crit damage. To help focus the class's natural tendency to burst foes down. This change should also help bring up light armor focus wardens while toning down some of the power that their currently much stronger medium armor cousins have. Now personally, I like the uh, damage done that it was originally, like two patches ago or three patches ago. But I guess crit damage is okay. It's not as convenient for... Uh, pvp but that's okay so next we have glacial presence this passive now increases the damage done by your chilled status effect based on a value determined by your highest offensive stats rather than adding 10 percent crit damage and healing to recently chilled targets and they also have a dev comment on this one it reads it didn't feel right having two passives that essentially did the same thing between this and advanced species. As such, we're making Glacial Presence grant a bonus damage modifier that scales with your offensive stats. This way, we don't need to worry too much about tankier builds getting a lot of power out of this passive, while helping the generic damage of the class go up when utilizing their kit and rewarding them even more if they are focused on frost damage as a whole. We're not too concerned about the potential critical healing loss here either, since the requirement of an ally recently being chilled was only applicable in PvP, where Warden healers specifically will be losing this small bit of power. Alright, so you know, call me crazy, but if uh, Advanced Species was still just damage done then they would not really have the problem that was introduced in the last patch of you know having two passes now do the same thing and then having to change this one because of them changing advanced species again so yeah i don't know i just really like the old advanced species because that's what my stamden was using in pvp and I don't know what to do with that build now, so. Alright, next up we have uh, Templar. First up we have Backlash. 
This ability and its morphs have been slightly reworked. Uh, the final damage now deals a guaranteed amount of damage based on your highest offensive stats, rather than dealing damage based on the damage it took from you over the duration, with a cap based on your weapon and spell damage. The final damage deals approximately 10% more damage than the initial hit at base, and increases up to an additional 200% to reach similar values of power scene 4. The final damage now takes more overall damage to reach, to make the payout less reliably reached in PvP scenarios. These abilities are now once again limited to having one active at a time to fix numerous exploits and bugs with this ability. This means if you cast the ability on another target while it's active, it will remove the previous cast. And overall, I think these are these will be pretty good changes. Uh, not being able to put them on multiple targets kind of sucks when you're going against like two bosses in one fight. But ultimately, I don't think it'll be that terrible. And then specifically with the power of the light morph, they increase the duration of minor breach from this morph to 7 to 10 seconds, uh, from 6 to 9. And this effect is also no longer tracked over the base ability with a ability timers option enabled to help you keep track of the core ability instead. And that is definitely a good change. Uh, hopefully the heal over time on the other morph isn't tracked with ability timers also. That's something that I noticed because I always look at the uh, ability bar timers and notice that like, oh, I need to reapply and I should have been reapplied like three or four seconds ago. So that th that'll definitely be a good change for those skills. All right, so that is actually going to do it for our class changes. Not too much to talk about this time around, which is kind of nice. But we do have some CP changes as well. So a favorite of everyone's, the Cult Overload. They're going to reduce the damage uh, from 1037 to... They're going to reduce the damage per stage of this star to 1037 down from 2580. This node now also applies a random statue effect to enemies hit. They also added a cooldown of one second to prevent cascading effects. And the damage no longer has a maximum target cap of six. So it definitely costs more now. And there's a dev comment on this. So. They say we're toning down some of the burst damage of this effect, as well as its prevalence to operate like Vicious Death, where it can cause cascading booms when you kill a large number of targets at the same time. The star doesn't have enough drawbacks to justify the ease of access to instantly kill large groups of enemies, as well as being a bit overboard when used in tandem with other effects. To make up for this, though, we're adding some more self-energy. We're adding some more self-synergy to the effect, where it will reward more booms back-to-back -back if you can manage to kill the affected targets with the time within the time frame of the status applied. So it feels more controlled in risk-reward situations rather than random. Again, you know, call me crazy, but uh, at the beginning of the year, this passive did roughly 4k damage, right? And then in High Isle, they increased the damage from 4k to 12,800, 
which is a huge change. Like, 12.8k is a lot of damage in PvP, and I don't know why, but, like, the damage wasn't halved uh, for, with the Battle of Spirit active. So, when people would die, then there'd be a massive 12.8k explosion. And now they're lowering it back down to 5,185. Uh, both this and like kind of like the warden changes from before is like kind of a self-inflicted problem. And at the time kind of seemed like a bad idea. I'm like, oh, that's not something I really like. Like, but <laughs> you never know with those dog bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. Now for the changes of the passive itself uh, in PVE. This was mostly useful for grinding experience and kind of sucks that they're nerfing this to be useful in that way. But by lowering the damage and adding the one second cooldown, I think lowering the damage would have just been enough, honestly, especially if they made the battle spirit work for it too. Uh, adding the random status effect is nice because uh, then you can make that work with, with like a plague break or something. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, Really, the only place I saw this TP problematic was in PvP, and that's because it wasn't affected by the Battle Spirit, so it was almost identical to the Vicious Death and Damage Output. Um, I think just lowering the damage and making it with, work with the Battle Spirit would have been more than enough to pull it back into a place with that, with a, while maintaining it being useful inside of PvE grinding situations. So next, we also have some destruction staff tweaks. So weakness to elements, they increase the duration of this morph to 30 seconds at its final rank up from 20. So that's kind of cool. And elemental drain the morph. This morph now increases the duration to 60 seconds at its final rank up from 23. And the elemental uh, susceptibility... Yeah, I think so. This morph applies now each elemental status effect, burning shield and concussed every six seconds, rather than applying a random of the three every six seconds. This morph no longer gains extended duration and now lasts 30 seconds down from 60. They also fixed an issue where the status effects from this ability could fail to apply. And they also, last but not least, increased the range to 35 meters at rank 4, up from 33 meters. Alright, and there's also a dev comment on this. Uh, we're moving around some of the morph diversity here to reinforce the use case and define the power of each. Since Elemental Drain focuses on being more of a pure debuff, the duration extension feels more appropriate there, while Elemental's accessibility re uh, reinforces the offensive bonuses we added. Uh, they added a few patches back. So those are both some good changes for the, that skill and those morphs. Yeah, it's nice uh, to see them following suit on how they've been trying to regulate timers and extend them to make them not so, you know, intensive in rotations. Yeah. Depending on the skill, of course. All right, next up we have the in the Assault skill tree, uh, Vigor, specifically Resolving Vigor morph. And they're reducing, uh, they are reducing the healing from this morph by approximately 10%. 
It's a little bit of a healing nerf on Vigor. Ooh, a nerf on Vigor, huh? That doesn't happen very often. No. But it's just a little one. So I don't think anyone will feel it. Because didn't it get buffed earlier this year, too? I think, yeah. If, if, I think, I want to say it was the only skill last patch that got like a slight increase or didn't get nerfed insanely hard at like the rest of the healing skills. All right, and so last but not least, we have one Khajiit passive, Robustness, that got a little bit of a tune-up. So this passive now increases your health, magicka, and stamina recovery by 90 at their final touch, rather than your health and recovery by up to 100. Anyways, and your Magicka and Stamina Recovery by up to 85. So, yeah. There you go. Nice little uh, Khajiit improvement there. Yeah, a, sm a small little change there, but still something that I thought, you know, should be in there. Alright, so that is going to finally wrap it up for us after a big old Patch Nuts episode. Thank you guys for uh waiting for us to get it out there uh dog why don't you finish it up for us and tell the people where they can find us all right you can find us on twitter of the at red diamond cast you can find us on facebook of the red diamond courier find us in our esopc or xbox guild of heirs of the red diamond which you can join on the robots radio discord on our robotsradio.net and if you check our show notes, you'll find links to all our cool stuff like our merch store, uh, our music producer, ESO-hub.com, and, and also if you've got the time of day to drop us a five-star on Spotify or a five-star review with some words on Apple, we will gladly shout you out to the stars on the podcast. So. You know, we super appreciate uh, all you guys do uh, for us. And, uh, you know, another great Patch Notes episode down. So, Dogged, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Xbox, Twitter, and ESOPC, all of at DogPark24. And I'm going to be Bob Chichinsky on Xbox, ESOPC, Twitter, and Twitch. And, uh, yeah. As long as you spell Chinsky right, I'm pretty sure it'll work out for you. So, anyways, dogged, my dude. Good hanging out with you. And, uh, good hanging out with everyone else. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. And we'll be back for some more very soon. We promise. Thank you guys for your patience. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Yep, see ya. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. But this isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise.
promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources.